Today is Saturday, January 11th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 349, featuring Celtics TV voice from NBC Sports Boston, Mike Gorman, brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. This program also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go to ExpressVPN.com, that's E-X-P-R-E, ssvpn.com slash Celtics for three months free with a one-year package. Has not been a fun week for the Celtics. 25 and 11, third in the East. Those are perfectly fine on the surface, but three straight losses, all very winnable games, all very frustrating. Monday night in Washington without Bradley Beal, Wednesday at home against a mediocre Spurs team, and then Thursday in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid out with the finger injury and a 15-point lead. Still a loss. It's another three-game skid for Brad Stevens' bunch this season long. The league is hard. You can feel pretty good about yourself, and one week later, you know, not not so hot, but Inevitably, there's another game, and if, if we play like we did tonight, clean some things up and play with a little bit more pop, I like what we're becoming. I'm just not as discouraged as I've been the last couple of days. All right, well, that's good. Fans, though, they are. Marcus Smart's looking at the bright side. Yes, there is a bright side. You know, we, we finally got guys back healthy. Um, guys have been out. Guys are trying to catch the rhythm. And, uh, you know, it's tough because you got guys that are already in the rhythm, and then you got guys coming back trying to get back into the rhythm. And, it, it, you know, it's going to take a while for us, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but it's nothing to hold our heads down about. we got to let the distractions be distractions. We can't really pay attention to it. You know? we got everybody talking and saying this and that. we got to focus on ourselves. So mid-January, we're in block-out-the-noise territory. And Jalen Brown, he has played poorly during this stretch. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But he said he's not panicking. Uh, we got 82 games to play. We lost three. That's fine. It happens. It's a part of the year. We keep working. Um, we continue to get better. We watch film, and we move on from it. Um, I think we came out and played some really good basketball. Philly, for whatever reason, still won the game. Um, but I think that's okay. We come out and play better for the next game. Okay, that next game at the Garden against the Pelicans Saturday night. So all of that heard, all of that said, let's now bring in someone who's far more important than anybody that you heard from, and most especially me, longtime voice of the Celtics on NBC Sports Boston now. There's been a little bit of turnover over the years in terms of where those games are broadcast, but that's the home now, and he has been there ever since. Mike Gorman, and uh, always a thrill to have you on the show, Mike. It's great catching up. How are you? Terrific. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, I mean, I could be better, obviously, with the way things have been going a little bit for this team lately. I know that you're uh, very close to this, watching, uh, if if not from in the arena, then from afar, paying attention. So why the funk? You know, there have been several problems. Everyone has highlighted execution after that latest game. But what's the most significant issue, do you think? Well, I think funk is the right word. I think it's just come early. Uh, everything seems to ha- be happening quicker in the NBA these days, so uh, this would make sense, too. Usually you get to the end of January, the first couple of weeks of February, especially right before the All-Star break. And guys just, you know, they, they know where they are in the, in the food chain for this year. They know, relatively speaking, whether they're a playoff team or they're not. Um, and so the games get kind of mailed in. Um, but you're used to that coming again the end of January and February. You're not used to it necessarily coming the beginning of January. It's what we saw. But... Um, you know, it's hard because when you, when you say this on the air, guys get pissed off at you. And I, and I can understand why they do um, because they think they're playing hard. They believe they're playing hard. Um, but it's, it's clear to you sometimes on the sidelines that, that they're not playing as hard as they did before. And I think the first two losses um, 
in this current skid. Uh, they just didn't play hard. The other team just outplayed them. And, you know, we tend to forget, we look at records and we just kind of say that's a good team, that's a bad team. All of these guys were like their best player on their college team. They're all Americans. They're all conference players. So when given a chance to play, it's really not surprising that they come up with big games every once in a while. Uh, the Celtics ran into that with guys stepping up, playing well for San Antonio. Um, and as a result, they dropped some games they shouldn't have. Um, there's no excuse, obviously, with uh, New Orleans coming in on Saturday night and another week of home games, but then they have that Thursday night in Milwaukee next week, and they better write themselves before that, or that could be an ugly outing. Well, and the Bucks obviously class the Eastern Conference. I don't think anybody would argue that, as excited as everybody was early in the season when the Seas beat the Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo and all that. But, you know, I was talking with, well, your colleague, Chris Forsberg. We were on the show last week, and I was arguing, I think the Celtics are better than the Sixers, but obviously the evidence is not there. 0-3 in this matchup yeah, right now yeah, for I'm Boston. Not. Well, I just think the Sixers are, and you can speak to it, by all means, probably better than I can, but I think the Sixers are, you know, dealing with a lot of warts. They're they're not a very balanced team. Al Horford, while he was very good in this last game without Joel Embiid, has struggled to thrive on the court when Embiid has been healthy. And I also think it's it's worth noting, if I'm not mistaken, that two of those games— Clearly, both losses have come on the back end of back-to-backs for the Celtics as well. So they weren't, not to make an excuse, but they weren't necessarily as fresh as they might otherwise have been going into that one. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you see it differently. You think the Celtics are still on that next tier. No, I, I agree with you. I think the Celtics are better than uh, Philly, although the evidence would say that we both don't, don't know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think they're better, and I think come playoff time that Philly's going to uh, not have the shooters that they've had in the past, and I think will make Simmons make a lot of decisions he doesn't want to make in terms of shooting the ball. So I, I think you can play for them. And Bede's the wild card, obviously. Um, if this turns out to be any kind of debilitating injury or suddenly he becomes a 39% shooter because of it, um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, and, and Philly, without Embiid, is, despite what we saw last night, is a very beatable team so that they could slip well behind the Celtics while Embiid is out. But um, Boston Boston can't worry really about Embiid or anybody else. they got to worry about going out there and playing the same way every night. And they have been inconsistent with that. Players individually have been inconsistent. Tatum has great games, and he has games where he shoots three for 15. Uh, Brown has had streaks of playing well, and then streaks of playing not so well. Um, so they still are far from having their act together. Um, Brad said after the loss last night that the uh, he wasn't as bummed out as he had been, but that's that's the whole key, the, the fact that he was bummed out, and is still bummed out to a certain degree. It just wasn't as bad as it was before. So a lot of people were asking after that last game, does this team need personnel changes? And we can get into the trade conversation. That's a whole other thing. But with what you've got on the current roster, should starters be different? Should someone else be given a look that hasn't been? Should the rotations be different? You know, Or, or is it just, like you said before, is it kind of more come down to effort than anything else? Right now, I think it comes down to effort. Um, uh, and again, I, I, I like the lineup. See, I'm not one who wants to go find some seven-footer and give up a lot to get some seven-footer. I certainly wouldn't want Drummond here. Uh, I don't know him. He might be a real nice kid. I just don't want him as a basketball player in Boston if I were Danny. Um, and, you know, when you look at what Cantor and, and Tice have done as a, as a combination, they're averaging something like 15 points and 14 rebounds a, a game. So if you can get 15 to five uh, out of your uh, 15 and uh, 15 rather out of your center position, you should be winning games. 
So I don't look to, to the number five spot as a problem with the Celtics. I think the consistency of the other four guys is uh, is a bit of a problem. I think Kemba is still trying to feel his way in without stepping on toes, and that's really to his credit for a guy who's an all-star to do that, shows you what kind of a guy he is and what his priorities are. But I still don't think he's really comfortable as to when he wants to take over a game or when he should take over a game or when he should cede it to, to uh, Tatum or maybe Brown at the time. So, I, again, I, I think the Celtics are still very much a work in progress. Um, I think by the end of the year, if everybody's healthy, they're going to be a team that I, I think Boston-Milwaukee is, is the Eastern Conference final. Um, and then it all depends upon who's healthy and what kind of a year Giannis is having and what Brad's able to come up with to stop Giannis. But that's, that's the collision course I see the Celtics on. I think anything less than that is kind of a disappointment. This team is obviously incredibly balanced. You know, I think that the balance, I've talked about this a lot on the show, so I won't harp, but I think the balance is far superior to what it was last year. I think last year's team was deeper, but not as balanced. This year's team, more balanced, not as deep. And so that's why everybody's clamoring about helping out the bench and finding someone on on that second unit, that second group that can come in and and really make a reliable impact. You know, we've had Grant Williams in waves, Brad Wanamaker in waves, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Carson Edwards hasn't been the guy that everybody wanted him to be coming out of training camp and and summer league and all that stuff. But when you look at the starters and, and that main group, it's fun on paper to look and see, okay, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all these guys averaging 20-plus, Gordon Hayward right behind them at 17, 18 at times. But does this group, in order to succeed, does it really need three of those four going off every single night rather than, you know, I think most teams you can look at and say, all right, we need two guys that are, are really reliable. Does this team need three in order to succeed? Well, I don't know if it needs three in order to succeed. It might need three in order to keep everybody happy. And, again, that's why I think Kemba has been a real gentleman in, in kind of just coming into the room quietly and, and, and not coming into the room the way Kyrie did last year. Um, so, I, again, I think it's a question of just keeping people happy and making sure that, that Tatum gets 18 to 22 shots a game, make sure Brown gets the same kind of a number, and make sure Kemba gets them. But what Kemba does is try to get everybody off to a head start, and then he takes the majority of his shots late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter and has a great uh, offensive percentage in the fourth quarter. He's got the highest one in the league the last time I looked at it. So um, it, it's coming around slowly for these guys, but it's, uh, it's slowly. They still don't, don't – everybody talked at the beginning of the year about how happy a bunch they are, and they're a really good bunch to be around. They're much, much better, even though it's in a lot of cases it's the same guys. Um, they're much, much more open and much more friendly to everybody involved this year than they were last. And Brad, I think was in Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago. Um, some beat writer from, from an indie paper said, uh, what was your goal coming out of training camp? And without hesitating, Brad said to be liked. Hmm. Uh, and I think, I think that was a real problem for this team ego wise last year. They knew that, that Boston fans really weren't too crazy about them. They didn't like the way they played. Uh, they didn't like the way, what Kyrie did to, Tatum and Brown and people that uh, everybody, everybody expected to see play last year like they're playing this year. Um, so I think they're still getting to the point of having people like them. I tell you, something happened the other night, though, that I haven't seen in a long, long time, which What's shows that? that fans are fickle. Um, at the end of the game against uh, San Antonio, with about three minutes left in the game, two minutes left in the game, half the building was gone. Um, and that, that hasn't happened in a long time. People always say to Lemaria, even if it's just to see ta- uh, Taco play. Um, but uh, that's an indication. I think fans have got a short fuse with this, uh, a short leash, I should say, with this team. Um, and this team is still trying to make friends with the fans. 
I know uh, a lot of people are tired of talking about last year and absolutely tired of talking about Kyrie Irving, but it one I feel it can't be avoided when you're comparing last year to this year, and also there's yeah. some there's some Irving stuff I want to get into later in the show too. But just as as it relates to you know you're front and center, and you are so much closer than obviously I am, and the vast majority of people are. I, and you're also at a you know maybe it's you're at a, a point in in life in your career, or maybe you've always been this way. I don't know, but you're you're not shy on your feelings. I, I heard you say uh, a while back on Chris Mannix's podcast when when he did that live show in the area that you, you kind of thought Kyrie Irving was a jerk when he was here it has to be a, mm-hmm. a a real change for you a happy change from just last year the day in the day out even calling those games which clearly is a fun job I can't imagine it feels like work but last year compared to this year it, it has to be just such such a wonderful evolution oh without question last year was very difficult to do one of the hardest years I think I've ever had in, in broadcasting the team. I've had good teams that I broadcast, and I've had bad teams that I broadcast. This was one of the few good teams that played badly. Um, it, it had a lot of potential and a lot of people who were very good at the, at the game who just didn't deliver. Um, so, yeah, that was hard to do last year. and It was hard for fans to watch. And, um, you know, for a while, everybody tried to just not, not throw Kyrie under the bus. But, um, you know, under the bus was kind of where he belonged. I find people want to walk around this subject, and, and I just assume walk through it. I don't want to say problem because the people start picking on words, but um, Kyrie was just a he's, – he's a round peg trying to fit in a square hole. It just didn't work here. Um, and it, it, what it did was because he is such a ball-dominant player, and, and, and it's a, it was tough for me as a play-by-play guy. I'm jumping all over the place here, but it's tough for me as a play-by-play guy because he was a joy to do on the court because he just gave you great opportunities with this. He's got the best handle I've ever seen. Um, he gave you great opportunities to make good calls. Um, but I saw what was going on in the locker room. I saw him leaving games at, at, at the end of the game before anybody else um, ended up being on the bench. Uh, it's just, just a lot of stuff that was going on that people chose to, people within the Celtic organization really wanted to ignore. And, and I just found it hard to ignore it. Um, and that's what made the game so hard. But, uh, I, again, it, I don't know Kyrie. So, I mean, for me to talk about Kyrie, I'm just as an observer. I don't yeah. know him. He could be a great kid. I, he, he seems a little off-center sometimes, I guess is the best way to <laughs> put it. That's a good way to but, do it. Um, yeah. Um, but, again, he just didn't fit with the team. But, but, but you watch Kemba do some of the same things that Kyrie does, but, but – Kemba does in five bounces. Kyrie used to do in twelve or thirteen, and and by the time that he was the ball was hitting the, the, the court for about the tenth or eleventh time, nobody was cutting to the basket anymore. Nobody was doing anything. They were just standing around to wait to see what happened, um, and and that's why this team fell uh, in the fans' estimation. It just fell off the end of the earth because that's so unCeltic like to, to, to be that way, uh, as entertaining as it may have been, um, and and you know. It just didn't work. I mean, there's no sin in that. I mean, it, it, the kid is starting to pile up a little bit of history that makes you wonder. But but it, it just didn't work out. He, um, he he was a square peg, and they needed a round hole. And, and now they've got a lot of round holes and guys who fit in, in jobs and understand what their role is on the team. See, I think a lot of the time when you have a guy who's very ball dominant, um, other guys really can't figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, should they be cutting the baskets? Should they be running out and setting picks from what should they be doing? And Kyrie, Kyrie kind of wanted the court cleared, and he would take his man one-on-one. So um, it was a lot of pick and roll. But, 
it, it, it again, it just didn't work here. It was whose fault was it? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really matter. The point of the matter is he's gone, and they got to move on. And so far, they're moving on pretty well. One quick break tell you, football playoffs, they are here. I know they don't involve the Patriots, but you can follow all the action even still at betonline.ag. It's all about the playoffs, both college and the pros. Betonline.ag is there for you during all the late-season drama. LSU, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, college championship, it's great. And NFL playoffs, we're closing in on the final four championship games in the AFC and NFC, but first... Got to get there. Ravens still the favorite to win it all. Do not miss your opportunity to cash in one more time this football season, at least. Up-to-date information, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner, loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. You have so many options. Before the next kickoff, head over to Bet Online to receive your 50% welcome bonus, and be sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to take advantage of a great offer today. Bring the game home with BetOnline.ag your online sportsbook experts. Let's get back to the show. You know, I remember you were on the show shortly after Kyrie Irving had made that declaration that, you know, he the whole the season ticket holders, I plan to be back if you'll have me and all that stuff. And while a lot of us, including me, were celebrating, okay, I mean, it would be almost impossible for him to walk this back. He's going to re-sign. I distinctly remember you being on the show and saying, I'm not sold on that. I, I'm not convinced of that at all. And even going back to the trade, you weren't sold on Kyrie Irving. And, and maybe that's from just your impressions. Maybe it, it was insider, you know, talking to friends you've got in the Cleveland area. I have no idea. But what was it that sort of during that tenure, yeah. you were always sort of hesitant to, to believe it was going to work to the potential that everybody thought it was going to work? Well, I, let's go to his announcement, because that's one of the few things that he did while he was here that I was 100% in favor of, and would do the same thing. If he, if he were my son and I were in his shoes, I would have told him, stand up at one of the first practices before the season starts and just say, I'm a Celtic for, forever. I'm going to die here in uniform. Just say whatever you want, but just get people off your back so that every single press conference you hold or at, every post-game interview that you do, Someone is like, are you going to resign? Are you going to resign? Are you going to resign? Answer the question now. Whether it's true or not, who cares? But answer the question now. I would, again, I would have told my son if he were in that situation to say the same thing. So I, I understood, I felt I understood what Kyrie was doing, which is like, hey, I want to say something here to get you people off my back. And, and when July rolls around or whatever the date was, uh, we'll, we'll reexamine the situation. Um, so I had no problem with him doing that. But what I didn't like in terms of a fit, was, I, I, again, I think he's just I'm, I'm anxious to see how this plays out with Kevin Garnett. Kevin, I, Durant. Uh, Durant, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wish Kevin Garnett was back. <laughs> yeah, right. um, he's busy starring in movies uh, now. Yes, he is. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I have. I loved it. He was terrific. Oh, did was he? Yeah, he was, was great. He, Kevin he playing Kevin. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you would know it better than me because obviously you've been around him on a more personal basis. But even just from the uh, from the outside and seeing him in in press conferences and in the locker room and in you know doing his Area Twenty One show when he was doing that, it, it seemed like he was yeah. just he was he was playing himself and and, and nailed the part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I got that on the agenda maybe for this weekend. Yeah. To get back to your, just to finish your, your question. Yeah. So the announcement I had no problem with. I, I just would have done the same thing and advised someone to do the same thing to make their life easier. Once I saw Kyrie play, I was just like, this isn't going to work here. It, 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 it's too, it, everything is too much around him because it has to be around him for him to be as effective as he can be. And he can be unbelievably effective. Um but I just saw problems with other people not getting touches, 
the ball, him being a ball stopper, when it gets to him, it just doesn't go any further. And, you know, he would come out in games and, and rack up 8, 10, 12 assists, but I always had the feeling he was doing it because he wanted to say to fans, to writers, to television broadcasters, see, I can do this when I want to. Anytime I want to, I can be this way. Um, but I choose not to be. Uh, and so that's the type of player that I think can be very attractive as, as a fan. And you know, all of a sudden you realize you really haven't won anything and nobody's getting better around him. Uh, and he's taking a big body of salary cap <laughs> and taking a lot of shots. Um, again, I, how that works with Durant, uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Because Kyrie, Kyrie can be extremely effective, as we know, but he has to have the ball in his hands. Um, <clears throat> we'll see whether uh, Durant likes that or not. Well, you read that situation perfectly, and uh, likewise, I, I'm curious how it'll work out in Brooklyn. Quite frankly, I don't think it's going to work out all that well. I think they'll be good. I think they'll go deep, deep in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win a championship. But that's you know, it's a conversation for another day. I'm going to ramble here a little bit because it's a very broad question. What I want to know is your perception and and expectation, you know, sort of looking to that crystal ball of what the Gordon Hayward situation is here in Boston, because obviously you have the injury in his first game, loses a year, second year, more or less a lost year, trying to work his way back, plays really well here in, in parts and throughout most of his third season, has to deal with a couple injuries, you know, keeps having these setbacks. And now all of a sudden at the end of this year, let's let's say and hope he finishes strong. He has the opportunity mm-hmm. to either opt in, stick around, you know, resign for his 30 plus million dollars. He could opt out as we thought Al Horford was going to do last year and resign for longer term average annual value a bit lower. Or, you know, he could test the market. It's a terrible free agent class next year. If he finishes strong, he could go get paid somewhere else. And all the while, whenever he does struggle, and most recently this little stretch here, you have fans clamoring for him to be traded. While, you know, it's it's let's have more of the focus on Kemba, Jalen, Jason, get rid of Gordon. You know, even though the usage rate is low, get rid of Gordon. See if you can go get a big. You mentioned Drummond or a Kevin Love type or somebody like that. Get rid of Gordon Hayward, and which is always something I thought Danny Ainge would have a real problem doing. Even separating business from personal, the relationship with Brad Stevens, the reason he came here in the first place was Brad. All of those things. What is your read on on just the whole Gordon Hayward experience and future right now? Well, I think one of, for me, one of the main things that Gordon Hayward does is it allows me to have Kemba and um, Marcus, if I want, start in the backcourt. Um, because then I have a, a pass first forward in, in uh, Gordon. Um, so it doesn't put the pressure on Kemba. It doesn't put the pressure on Jalen if he's at the number two spot. I put the pressure on Marcus if he's there to be the, quote, playmaker. playmaker. So I think in that sense, he's very valuable to his team. I think it costs him some individual stats, at least in terms of points scored, that he might get if he were more the focal part of the offense as opposed to a distributor. Um, but that's what I think his, his biggest value to this team is. And I think he understands completely how Brad wants to play the game. So um, in that sense, he's I won't say he's a coach on the floor because I think that's an overused expression, but he knows what, what Brad wants and how the, he wants the game to be played. So I, I, I think he stays here. I think he, I don't think he opts out. I think he stays here. I think this is his best chance to win a championship here, and um, I think it's his best chance to be good here. But what the kid needs is, is 12 healthy months in a row, um, and he's, he's been unable to get that. He's just been kind of snake-bitten. Um, I don't know. Some people will say, do you think he's brittle? I don't think he's necessarily brittle. 
Um, I just think he's run into a string of bad luck with injuries, and as a result, is always what he could be. As you wonder what he could be, as opposed to what you see he is. But when he puts together eight, ten games in a row where he's not hurt, uh, his numbers are really good, and, and the Celtics play much better as a team when the ball is going through him. So uh, again, if we had a playmaking guard um, who who is strictly a playmaker, then I think you might think differently about Gordon, but. We don't have a, really have one of those. Kemba Walker is a is a terrific player. But he's a scorer. Uh, Marcus Smart is a terrific player. But he's a defender. Uh, Jalen Brown is 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 a very good player, but he's not necessarily going to lead the team in assists. Um, so that Gordon has a role that would be tough to replace. There's one guy above any other that I think Danny Ainge would hate to trade and just would would fight it at at every turn, and that's Marcus Smart. But Given that he's traded just about anyone else that you know along the way, we thought ah he would he wouldn't trade that guy. Would That's he right. would he trade he, Gordon? He's to trade me a couple of times. Yeah, there you go. Would he trade Gordon Hayward though? You know, would, like would he trade him this season? Given that we haven't seen you know the the full exactly what he was supposed to be you know when he got here, and again the connection to Brad. Would Brad insert his opinion anyway? Not that he has the the say, but would would Brad have a problem with Danny trading Gordon Hayward? Depends upon what's coming back. And I, I don't think there's out there a whole lot that I see that would you could make the deal work. I, I don't want Andre Drummond. Um, look, take a look at the numbers for the Philly plays, Detroit, what the, Embiid does to Drummond. Um, and that would be the only reason we'd be getting Drummond would be to, to help get by Embiid mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So um, I, 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 And you can't trade Marcus Smart. You, you can't trade Marcus Smart. And he's, he's the heart and soul of this team. He embraces the role. Uh, he he plays hurt. Um, he he it, it's a terrible cliche to say like he does the things that don't show up on on the scoring sheet, but that is true. Uh, it is true of him as any player I've ever been around. Um, and so you can't trade a guy like that. He's he's your he's your glue. He's your inspiration. He's your he's your leader, and he wants to be that. He, he wants that role. Um, so I, I don't think he can trade uh, Marcus when I see these. Scenarios proposed at different uh, websites and stuff, and they get markets in there. And it's like you got to come to a few games and see if you want to write this again. There are a million things that we can get into, obviously. In the interest of time, though, I want to get off of this team for a second, move ahead to the uh, All Star voting, which again, it's 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 fifty percent fan vote, and then it's twenty five percent players, twenty five percent media. But right now, all we're hearing about is the fan vote, and the second returns are in, and so. Uh, I think the expectation should be the Celtics will have two All-Stars, Kemba, and then it's either Jalen or Jason. So you can tell me which of the two, provided all three don't make it, which of the two you think is most likely to go. And I I think it's it's probably a different question of maybe who's most likely to go and who's most deserving to go. I think you could argue those differently. But Celtics are also well represented. You know, all those three guys are getting votes. Mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward's getting votes. Taco Fall Taco is getting votes. Nice. You know, he's sixth yeah, he among the bigs or in the front court. Would yeah. Would you like to yeah. see Taco fall at the All-Star game? I'd love to. Because Brad's really, against it, Danny's all- against it. I would love to also. Yeah, the, uh, the All-Star game is entertainment. It's not a game. It, 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 it's a chance for guys to go out and show off their individual skills. Um, and so uh, if the, the fans vote, if you're going to allow the fans to vote and, and their vote comes in and Taco's one of the guys who's, who has made the team – uh, on a fan vote basis, then I think he definitely should go. On a, uh, if he doesn't make it on the fan vote, should he be picked by a coach? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, um, he's not going to go on merit. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think anybody's trying to say he's going on merit. Right. He's a, he's a curiosity. 
he's people want to see whether or not he can really play. And I think one of the things that that has been wonderful about the whole experience with Taco is when you talk with him, if you see him give an interview, you, you realize, oh, this is a special kid. I mean, the lights are really on there. He's, he's a bright young man. Um, and he handles the fact in his size. He handles it with dignity. He doesn't hide. Uh, he, he, he stands up very straight uh, and, and walks very straight and has a smile on his face. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, if, if this were – should he be going to a playoff game – is being inserted in the playoff game right now? Probably not. Um, but can he play in the All-Star game? Sure he can. It, all, all, all guys do is shoot the ball. Uh, right, so there's no defense. Just, uh, stay under the basket, get a couple of rebounds, maybe block a shot or two. Everybody has a good time. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I don't understand. You probably think about it too, especially as a play-by-play guy, that the, I get Brad arguing against it or wanting to, you know, kind of calm the hype. Danny, same thing. And, and he was on the radio the other day talking about it and how he just doesn't, you know, he thinks the guys who should be All-Stars are the ones who should be All-Stars. And I get that, but that's not the way the system works. It's why we saw John Scott in the NHL All-Star game in his final season when the guy didn't even belong in the league. It's why every year in the MLB All-Star game you have these, and obviously more guys make it, and you have to have representatives from every team, so it's different in that sense, both NHL as well. But you have those honorary guys like Mariano Rivera in his last season, Derek Jeter in his last Mm -hmm. season, Cal Ripken in his last season. Every All-Star game, Pro Bowlers especially, you have guys who don't belong there that are there. I don't know why the NBA should be Mm -hmm. looked at differently. No, I don't think they should at all. Um, Again, it's it's not a meaningful game. There's nothing at stake um, except guys showing how good they are. I think the All-Star game is much more important to players than it is to fans. Um, I, I, I frankly don't watch it anymore. Um, and I, I, I think I'm in the majority. Of yeah, I think you probably are. Um, but, but, but players are very into it and, and, and it's very important to them career wise and everything else to, um, to, to, to make an all-star team. Scal speaks to this quite eloquently having been a player. So back to your original question, I think two Celtics will go. I, I, and I do think it'll be, uh, Kemba, uh, and I think it'll be, uh, Tatum. Yeah, uh, and and I, and I think Brown deserves serious consideration. Uh, he's hit a little bit of a bump in the road the last three or four games, but two weeks ago, for about a three-week period, every night he was amongst the best players on the floor. Um, but again, I, are they going to take three Celtics and maybe four with Taco? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, the real real irony with uh, Brown, he's shooting twenty nine percent the last three games, but he's shooting like ninety three percent from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's. Um, he he says it's kind of settled in. I think, um, and I don't mean this in any way in terms of being greedy or anything else, but I think once he signed his contract, I think he exhaled, and, and since then he's played yeah. his best basketball as a Celtic. Oh, Marcus, um, same thing. Just, it, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the, guys, when they know, okay, I'm probably barring a trade, I'm probably going to be here now for the next four years, I can I can exhale a little bit. I can settle in and just play, play basketball. Um, and so, yeah, I think, the signing of, of, of both Marcus and um, uh, Jalen has have really helped this team in terms of just guys being a calming influence uh, <clears throat> on and off the floor. You notice Jalen. Jalen comes and talks to Abby all the time. He's a, he's a great interview leaving the court. He never says no. He gets it. He's a bright young man. 
One last break to tell you today's show also brought to you by ExpressVPN. I live in Boston, but I like watching everyone as much as possible. Helps me stay current when talking to you, obviously. And watching teams outside Boston used to be a a big pain because they don't always show their games in my area. But this season, I discovered an amazing trick. Let's you watch every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN. Here's how it works. The NBA offers the NBA League Pass, right? Let's you stream games online. But if you live in the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all those games. Some are blacked out. So what do you do? Fire up ExpressVPN, use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the NBA League Pass from there, and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for the whole year. It's kind of crazy. ExpressVPN works on your computer, your phone, your router, your consoles like Fire TV. You can watch all the games from any device. ExpressVPN also encrypts all your data, keeping it safe from hackers. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season, however many are left at this point, in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Use my special code today to get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Celtics, after which you can sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com slash Celtics for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Celtics to learn more. Let's get back to Mike. I'll uh, I'll wrap us with this so I don't t- keep you forever, but going back to the All-Star thing and I guess going full circle with uh, a guy we've already spent a lot of time on here in this show, did you happen to hear what Kyrie Irving said just a couple of days ago uh, about the All-Star game and the fact that he is second, even ahead of Kemba, right now among Eastern Conference guards? No, what do you think? Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. I want to be able to play it for you. Here, Here's what Kyrie said when uh, basically the question was, how do you feel about being voted so high right now on the all-star balloting even though you've only played 11 games this year it's an entertainment league and i I think that i put in a lot of work in this league to to be up there whether i'm playing or not and if you want to see an all-star game then i would vote for myself as well (laughs) you know i'm serious because i'm gonna go out there we're gonna put on a show but at the same time there is a respect level that i have for all the guys that have been playing throughout the season and they're much as deserving of being in that spot and um you know the fans will do their job of voting for who they want to see in there but when i'm back you know please believe i'm going to make a push for something and and as well as bringing a few uh, teammate with me in there i'm going to be pushing for him to get in there as well so um we'll see what happens but the first priority is getting healthy and getting getting back to my teammates knowing Kyrie, he's talking about getting durant in there even though he hasn't played as opposed to spencer didwitty who's the only one that should be there but you know I'll, i'll give it to him he finished on the right note he acknowledged it's a popularity contest and that that other guys who should be there are the ones who should be there but obviously but but the you know i'd vote for me too <laughs> it's yeah, it's it, typical again he he can make very good sense sometimes and yeah. um and and i i agree with him thoroughly that the all-star game is entertainment and so what you want to do is have the most uh talented guys out there on the court showing what they can do as opposed to a guy who's a keeps all his teammates together mm. like my, my Marcus Smart. Yeah, Marcus a glue Marcus guy. Go to an all-star game. Yeah. Uh, glue guys don't go, go to all-star games. But glue guys are there later in the playoffs and a lot of the guys who are at the all-star game are. I, I, I feel good for Kemba. I'm glad he's going to go. I, I, I think Tatum, people are starting to see uh, how good Tatum can be and I, I think he can be very, very good. Um, he gets... He gets bigger every time I see him. <laughs> it's um, true. He, he, he just he's, he's got those Paul Pierce shoulders going on. They just kind of go on forever. Yeah, he's he's going to be a very good player. He, he's an untouchable, and I think on this team going forward. I think last year he probably suffered. He and Jalen were the two guys who suffered the most from from Kyrie. Even though Jalen swears by Kyrie and says he was a great influence on him, 
it, it, it certainly didn't show up statistically. Um, and I think Tatum got confused. I think Tatum came back from the previous year when the Celtics had gone so deep in the playoffs and he had been such a key player that this was going to be his, his ball and he was going to be the guy. And they come to find out he was not only wasn't the guy, he wasn't even the number two guy. Uh, so that, that, that righted itself this year, but it took a whole season, unfortunately, to go by uh, with an awkward situation. But again, Ky- Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie is a bad guy. I really don't think he's a bad guy at all. I, I just think he's kind of what we see a lot of these days. He's someone who's been told he's as good as it gets for a long, long time, and he thoroughly believes it. As he has that quote that he just played, he would vote for himself without hesitation. And he said, I know the guys who have been playing all season long and worked really hard should be out there playing, but he kind of said, so should I. Yeah. Uh, so that's just kind of who he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we act surprised. I don't know why we're so, it's like Claude Rains. You know, yes, there is gambling going on in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't understand why we can't admit that and just move on. So to end then, you're uh, just sort of going back to the, the things that matter, which is obviously this team and not the All-Star game. You're uh, three-game skid. It's a funk. Don't worry. They're good. You're good. Nobody, No no need to panic. Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would No need to panic. Absolutely. Uh, but I wouldn't say don't worry. Uh, I, I think, you know, guys need to understand uh, that losing a game to San Antonio in January is just important as losing a game the last week of the season when you're fighting for playoff spot. Yep. And the Celtics, you know, had been very, very good at taking care of business. They were, what, before these three losses, they were, well, what, Philly doesn't count in this, but they were 15 and 1 or something against teams that were less than 500. Yeah, there was, um, it was 18 and, and 2 going into one of those yeah, games recently. They taking, yeah. They were taking care of business, which is what good teams do. They beat the bad teams and they win their home games. Um, and so they were doing that very well until this past week. And, uh, again, everything seems to be ramped up in the world of sports and happened sooner than it did in olden days, but uh, you get into the end of January and, and February before the All-Star break, and that's the dog days in the NBA, and guys just think they're playing at 100%, and then you have March tape, and they realize they weren't, um, and that's kind of what the Celtics got to shake themselves out of. They they missed a lot of shots in the Philly game and in the San Antonio game. They missed a ton of easy shots, um, but that wasn't where the problem was. The problem was up the other end, the guys were getting layups after layup after layup. Um, and that's where the Celtics have got to be who we all think they can be, which is a, a defensive team first that, that is an offensive team second. And uh, they haven't been a defensive team for about a week and a half. They're trying to win games by out shooting people, and that's, that's not who they are. Uh, here's to a better night Saturday. My friend, I kept you a few minutes longer yeah. than I told you I would, so I'll, I'll let you go with that. But I, I always appreciate the time. We'll definitely do it again as you know we get beyond the trade deadline and, and really see what this team looks like heading toward the playoffs. And you know what our goal is going to be? What's We're that? We're going to do the whole show and never mention Kyrie's name. Oh, never. I like. you know what? I think the listeners would like that too. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, take care. Great stuff from Mike Gorman. Always love having him on. There are a zillion other things that I wanted to get to, but, uh, you know, you can only cram so much in, obviously, to, I don't know, a half hour or so, however long it's been that we've been chatting at this point. Also, you guys did submit a bunch of questions on Twitter that I was planning to get to with Mike, but again, we sort of spent a lot more time on last year and Kyrie Irving than even I intended to. I hope you didn't mind. I think it's great having that insight from a guy that is around the team on a daily basis and and so up close and personal, not just talking heads like me or, or people on social media like you perhaps that, uh, you know, have our opinions, but we're not 
as on top of it as people like Mike. So really wanted to go down that road with him a little bit and, and hear what he had to say. Just to, as far as some of what you guys were wondering, I, th- I think we hit on a lot of it, Gordon Hayward stuff and expectations for this year and where they need to improve. And obviously bigs, a lot of people are talking about Steven Adams right now. Again, it comes back to what do you have to give up? Same as Drummond or Love or anybody else. Carl Anthony Towns. Not that I mean, talk about pipe dreams, but you know what I mean. It's it's these are the things that need to be assessed. About the only thing we didn't have time to get into of, of real significance with Mike was the bench. And I've been talking about this going back to the offseason. It's it's why I say all the time this team is more balanced than last year, but not as deep as last year. The bench is okay. When fully healthy, you know, it's important having Smart and Cantor coming off the bench or Tice if Cantor's starting. Or I I think they are feeling the effects of not having Robert Williams, who they're still going to be missing for weeks because of that hip injury. Grant Williams is, I don't know if you want to call it a rookie wall, but he's not playing very well right now. Shemi Ojale is not playing well. Carson Edwards is not what uh, everyone thought he would be here in, at this point in his rookie year and, and still a lot of time. I'm not calling the guy a, a bust or anything like that, but still some time, obviously, for uh, him to get going and, and get a little more confidence in that shot and see the shot fall, not just in the G League with Maine, but here. Romeo Langford has been a bright spot when healthy. I, I think there are some things to be excited about. Brad Wanamaker, more often than not, has been very good this year, but you don't have that guy that can... You know, it's it's not like you have a Lou Williams coming off the bench, <laughs> so, or 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 even Ish Smith, that type of thing. So uh, this team does need to. I don't know if it needs to go out and and acquire a, a sharpshooter. You know, another microwave type, an Eddie House type. We always like to make that comparison when talking about a spark plug off the bench, or what they quite frankly thought Isaiah Thomas was going to be when they acquired him. They didn't involve him becoming what he did. It was you know a, a sixth man type of acquisition when they brought him in, a guy that could give you whole bunch of buckets off the bench in a short period of time. That's what we're saying. Does Danny need to go out and find a guy like that? So these are some of the things that we'll talk about as the season really moves along as we get a little bit closer to the trade deadline, which is about a month away at this point. We can end on this since the full transition has really gone to winter sports at this point. I'm sure some people are still watching football, but we don't have the ability to watch the Patriots. And so if you are a Pats fan, you're going to spend the next 10 weeks or so debating and analyzing and overreacting to every little thing that is said and reported regarding Tom Brady's future. That includes players all around town, coaches as well. Bruins have talked about how uh, if Tom Brady goes somewhere else, then it's going to come back and bite the Patriots in the butt. Well, Brad Stevens is uh, at least excited that, according to Tom, based on Instagram, he's coming back next year. It's awesome to hear he's playing again. I can't imagine it. I went outside to try to go for a jog today, and I walked right back in. Um, can't imagine playing a football season. But I am older, I mean, clearly. Yeah. If he was my age, he'd probably be done course when i say coming back i mean to the nfl for a 21st season we have no idea if he's coming back to the patriots but if you're asking me and i know you're not because you don't have that ability i believe he will be back in foxborough as a member of the patriots not just a a visitor a couple times a year with the dolphins or something like that once a year Uh, i believe he will play for the patriots next year that is my expectation who knows maybe at some point we'll spend some more time on that but That'll do it for this show and uh, a special Saturday release. Hopefully we didn't throw you off too much, but wanted to get out ahead of the Pelicans game in case, God forbid, the the skid continues or uh, they happen to actually turn it around and win the game. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're posting Sunday morning, having recorded on Saturday or something like that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not highlighting a win, just talking about all the negatives. So we're on time. We're on schedule, if you will. 
Today's show is brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Program's also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Celtics for three months free with a one-year package. Thanks again to Mike, to my producer Evan Valenti, to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media, of course you. Thank you for uh, always listening, interacting on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman, subscribing at the CLNS Media YouTube page, and also, of course, on iTunes. Just search Celtics or Celtics Beat. We'll pop right up. You can subscribe, leave us a rating, a review. We always appreciate stuff like that. All right, Gino, hopefully we see you again at the Garden real soon. <laughs>